Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice with a news bonus, Criminal Justice Issues on the November 2020 ballot. Lots of opportunities this November for Americans to vote on issues connected to criminal justice, police reform, prosecution, you name it. Criminal justice and criminal justice reform was on the ballot everywhere in this country. Americans got to have their say. You know, we've come so far in this country in certain ways. I can easily remember it was not long ago when prosecutors won pretty much everywhere. And the way they would run would be just to say how tough they were. That was pretty much the extent of the criminal justice debate. How many prisons could you build? How tough could you be? How many death sentences could you get? Everything else was pretty much off the table. Well, how things have changed. This election really showed it, too. Overall picture here, um, reform measures, changes to the law, election of reform prosecutorial candidates, all of these things were on the ballot, and the direction of reform was clearly the way most voters in most places want to go. Uh, these measures uh, pointing towards change in reform did not win everywhere, but uh, the, in the words of our friend, Professor Ronald Wright of Wake Forest University's Law School, who's been our guest here twice on Criminal Injustice in Episodes 45 and 101, what he told the Washington Post was that it was a good day for reform. Those things won far more often than they lost. So um, let's take a little survey here. There are at least three or four distinct areas that we can look at, and let's just take them one at a time. First, there's what I told you about in a bonus on November 10th that we posted here, uh, and that is the changes in narcotics and drug laws. Since we've already been over this ground in some detail, I'm not going to hit every little piece of it, but just think of the highlights. In four states, ballot measures proposing the recreational legalization of cannabis, that is legalizing cannabis for all purposes, won handily. In Blue State, New Jersey, yes, but also in Arizona, in Montana, in South Dakota. Cannabis for medical purposes won approval in Deep Red, Mississippi. And then, of course, there was the stunning outcome in Oregon in which the voters okayed a measure to take small amounts of all drugs, not just cannabis, but all drugs, make them all decriminalized when they were in small enough personal use amounts and to require either a civil infraction fine or a visit to a health screening within 45 days. It is a full turn away from the whole war on drugs mentality uh, as waged against individual users. So those are big changes, uh, as I discussed in our earlier bonus. But what happened on Election Day goes far deeper than that. And I think the thing that might be top of mind for a lot of folks is the election of 
prosecutors. Now, we've had some discussions here on criminal justice here before on this set of issues. The election of reform-minded prosecutors has been a big, big change in our criminal justice landscape here in the United States. This really begins in earnest in 2016 with the election of Kim Fox in Cook County, Illinois. That's the county in which you find Chicago and its near-end suburbs. And Fox is elected as prosecutor, defeating an incumbent, safe incumbent, in the primary in the aftermath of the Laquan McDonald video coming out in Chicago, forced out into the open after the incumbent district attorney, the mayor, the chief of police were all implicated in keeping that videotape secret for roughly a year. Fox is then elected. She becomes district attorney. The following year, 2017, another earthquake with the election of Larry Krasner as district attorney in Philadelphia. Krasner, you may remember, was a person who'd never been a prosecutor. He had been a defense lawyer and a lawyer who sued the police. When he announced he was running, in fact, one of the police union officials in Philadelphia uh, described that possibility as hilarious. Well, who's laughing now? Krasner won election in 2017. Both Fox and Krasner ran on explicit platforms supporting all kinds of reform in their local criminal justice operations to de-emphasize incarceration, to get rid, if they could, of cash bail, to make diversion programs much more of a factor. All of this got them elected. They made those promises to the people in those districts, and that's what the people wanted. Now, there's been enormous pushback in both of those places, Philadelphia and especially in Chicago, and especially after Fox made a few missteps, according to some, in the way she handled the case of actor Jesse Smollett, the guy who faked a hate crime. Uh, and they took full advantage of whatever those mistakes were were to try to get rid of her. Here's what happened in November 2020 as both ran for re-election. Fox re-elected by 14 points. Krasner re-elected 75% of the vote. Okay? People want this. And, they, and, and we didn't just see it there on Election Day in November 2020. 20, a whole host of newly elected progressive prosecutors. Let's just give you a quick list. Monique Worrell in Orlando, Florida. Karen McDonald in Oakland County, Michigan. Jose Garza, an immigration rights attorney in Austin, Texas. Gordon McLaughlin in Colorado's 8th District. Alonzo Payne, also in Colorado. And the list goes on, even some small counties in Georgia, including notably around Brunswick, Georgia. Now, if that rings a bell, it's because that was the district in which the initial investigation of the murder of Ahmad Arbery was done by District Attorney Jackie Johnson. Johnson is now out of office, replaced by a progressive prosecutor. Now, not all of the progressive prosecutor candidates won everywhere. Uh, they did not win in Maricopa County, 
Arizona, Cincinnati, Ohio, Charleston, South Carolina. But the numbers were pretty stunning. I mean, this is not something that would have happened five or ten years ago. And, you know, even if they did lose sometimes, it is undeniable that the biggest prize in prosecutor elections this past election went progressive. And that was in Los Angeles. Uh, In Los Angeles, which is, by the way, has the biggest prosecutor's office in the country, the incumbent, Jackie Lacey, not a favorite of folks who want criminal justice reform, was defeated. And she will be replaced by George Gascon. If that name is familiar to criminal injustice listeners, you've probably been with us for a while because George Gascon was our guest here in episode 23. That was when he was district attorney in San Francisco. This gentleman has had a fascinating history. He grew up outside of L.A. He joined the LAPD as a police officer, went all the way through the department, rising through the department to a very high rank, became the chief of police in Mesa, Arizona, and from there the chief of police in San Francisco. He picked up a law degree on the way. And when Kamala Harris, that's a name you probably recognize, uh, became attorney general of California, she was the DA in San Francisco and she resigned to take her new office. And guess who was appointed DA in San Francisco? The chief of police with a law degree, George Gascon. Now, he served out the time of his terms in San Francisco, moved back to his hometown of L.A., and he will be the new district attorney in Los Angeles. So plenty of action in the prosecutor space in the November election. Let's take a quick break. There's more to tell you. I'll be right back. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night ready to send police, fire, EMTs, whatever you need when you need them most, straight to your door. Now, when my family had the job of selling our family home after it was empty, we knew we needed a security system we could count on. My brother, the electrician, the guy who's the most tech savvy of all of us, he recommended we go with Simply Safe, and boy, am I glad we did. It was easy, it was affordable, and it was good. It performed and we were safe. Simply Safe protects every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in just 30 minutes. It's really easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over, monitoring your home 24/7 and ready to send help the moment they get an alarm. Plus with Simply Safe there's no long-term contract. There are no hidden fees and no installation costs. 
Right now, my listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/slash injustice. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com slash injustice for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E. That's simplysafe.com slash injustice. Hi everyone, David Harris here back with you on Criminal Injustice, and we're talking in this news bonus about the reform of criminal justice laws in the United States in the last election cycle, November 2020. Having talked about changes to the drug laws and the election of reform-minded prosecutors, let's move to the oversight of police. Of course, police oversight of police, police misconduct, all top-of-mind concerns. Uh, In the summer of 2020, after the murder of George Floyd, protests around the country, uh, it was an issue in many of those prosecutor elections that I was just talking about a minute ago. But sometimes there were things on the ballot that were much more directly concerned with police oversight and police accountability. Um, A number of cities in this country had issues on their ballot to create or enhance police oversight structures. Let me just tell you about a few of them. In Oakland, California, a ballot initiative created the new office of inspector general over the police department for oversight purposes. In Columbus, Ohio, voters created a civilian review board and and inspector general. In San Diego, California, the voters replaced their civilian review board with a stronger entity, a police commission that will have oversight duties and more. In Portland, Oregon, uh, there is an oversight board now with stronger powers approved by four out of five voters. And right here in Pittsburgh, we had a ballot initiative to vote on uh, for our Citizens Police Review Board to strengthen its powers and to demand that police officers come and give evidence when subpoenaed, supported by almost four out of five voters. Now, in both Portland and Pittsburgh, police union officials made it clear as soon as the smoke cleared from the election and it was obvious that these initiatives had passed, they were going to challenge them both in court. But the people are having their voice heard. I mean, you don't notice that there's a lot of failure I'm talking about here, though not all such initiatives passed when they were on the ballot in the United States this time around. Uh, there was uh, an overwhelming sense that the voters wanted something done. They wanted action on police reform and police accountability. As we talk about ballot initiatives, it's much more of a mixed picture. California is a good example. Uh, One measure in California to uh, give voting rights back to uh, as many as 50,000 people on state parole, that passed 50,000 new enfranchised people. A ballot initiative to abolish 
cash bail in California went down to defeat the voters said no. Another ballot initiative to roll back other criminal justice reforms to take some misdemeanors and make them felonies to make it harder to get parole. The voters said no to that. So no to abolishing cash bail, but also no to making the system uh, more felony oriented. So no straight up pattern of victories there. Uh, It was much more varied by state when you talked about standalone ballot measures. But look at the overall picture. The reform agenda was on the ballot in so many places, okay, whether it was drug legalization, drug decriminalization, the uh, election of prosecutors who vow that they will have top-of-mind concerns about mass incarceration, about the use of cash bail, about the way that black and brown communities have been criminalized. The various initiatives on police oversight, all of these are telling us a new story over the last three, four, and five years. Like I said, in the past, um, voters approved of candidates who had basically one approach. Tough, tougher, toughest. More penalties, more prisons. Now, the voters see that that was a folly. And when given the chance, they often, not always, but often, say, No more of that. We want a new direction. That's it. That's your bonus. Criminal justice issues on the November ballot. You can always come to us for news of the criminal legal system, of the changes that are out there and the things that are happening. You can go to our website. That's criminalinjusticepodcast.com for all of our news bonuses and our long-form interviews with some of the most impactful actors in the criminal justice space, and our other features. We always appreciate the support we get from our members because we are member-supported. You can be one of those, too, by going to patreon.com slash criminalinjustice. Thank you very much. I am David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time.